Brandon. I'll start talking here, and you tell me if I've got this in the right spot. I mean, not Brandon, but Luke. I'm sorry. Now, Brandon touched on this a little earlier in the opening um, about uh, his grandpa asking him when he was going to preach. Well, uh, as an elder board, we have talked about this quite a bit, about how our role, uh, our responsibility has changed now in the phase that we're in as a church. About, about right? That going to work? Okay. And, um, you know, we don't consider ourselves preachers. Uh, me especially, what I consider myself just a good old boy that likes to read a lot. And then when I read and get excited about it, I like to talk about it. So, But I know I'm not the only one here that's like that. And here in a couple of weeks, we're going to hear from Greg. And, uh, you know, don't, don't feel left out because others of you are going to get a chance too. And really what our objective here is, you know, we're not, we don't want to assume the role of preacher, the role of pastor, because we know that God has that man out there for us somewhere, and so that's what we're working towards here. But what our objective here is, in this intervening time, however long it is, is that we as a church body learn more and more and more of the Word. So you're going to get a chance to share favorite passages, favorite chapters, things that you learn, things that you've known all your life. And as time goes on, you're going to get a chance to share some of those too. So don't be surprised if one of these days somebody taps on your shoulder and says, hey, we have an opening on this date. And so you'll get a chance to share also. So that's really what we're, what our objective here is as we read through some of these chapters, some of these books. It's just the... the Notion, the idea, the hope that all of us learn and get deeper into the Word. And that's what our objective is here. So last week, John started us out with the first two chapters of Second Timothy. And so today we're going to finish Second Timothy, read the last chapters 3 and 4 of that. And, and, and as we go through that, um, there be, you know, things that, that, that come to you, things that you say, you know, that, that are there for you to learn. Uh, ways that the Spirit will speak to you, and that's really what we're after here. So, before we begin, let's go to, begin. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, our Father, we've come here this morning to uh, to feast on Your Word. Uh, we just pray that You would open our ears, open our minds, and open our hearts to hear what You have for us, and that uh, we would go from here knowing that. As we hear from you, as we learn your word, it gives us understanding of you. Uh, It opens our hearts to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and that it draws us closer together as a church family. And so those are the things that we pray for, uh, that we hope for, and that we expect. And so we just pray your blessing on our time together this morning, and and as we read your word that we would hear from you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now, <clears throat> here we are. We're going to read the last two chapters of the book of Second Timothy this morning. Now, in our Bibles, uh, you go through your Bible, you come to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and then Titus. Well, actually, in a chronological order, and if you're reading through the Daily Readings Chronological Bible, if you've peeked a little closer to the back... You know that there's time elapsed between 1st and 2nd Timothy. 
It's actually 1 Timothy, and then he wrote the letter to Titus. And uh, in, in some of the chronological Bibles, you'll also find at least parts of Philemon in there. And then you come to 2 Timothy. So there's, there's some time that has elapsed in there. Now, when Paul writes uh, 2 Timothy, the second letter to Timothy, he is actually in prison in Rome. Now, this is his second imprisonment. Uh, the, the first, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning. The first imprisonment, he wrote Ephesians, uh, Colossians, uh, Philemon. Now I forgot the fourth one. Uh, shout it out, Jay. What is it? Pardon? Uh, Galatians. That's it. I forgot Galatians. Yeah. The, the four, and, and they are, they are referred to as the prison epistles. Well, he actually wrote those during his first imprisonment, and it was a house imprisonment. It was, a, you know, he could not leave his home. So he had uh, the ability to have friends, fellow believers come, come visit him, come sit with him, uh, and then, and then these four guys actually carried these letters off to these four places, uh, to, and they're referred to as the prison, efic- uh, prison epistles, uh, Ephesians being one of them, which is what we're going through in Sunday school across the way here. But here in Second Timothy, it's a different deal. He has been seized by the Roman soldiers, by authorities, and actually thrown in jail. And he is in a, you know, a damp, dirty dungeon, and he does not have the, the blessing, the ability of having visitors and so on. Now, he, obviously, he was able to write a letter because this letter went out to Timothy. So he did have the ability to, you know, have pen and paper and to actually write a message. But it, it's just, it's a different thing that um, he's experiencing this time than the first time. And when we get to chapter 4... Uh, we're going to learn here that he's actually sitting here awaiting his execution. He knows that his life is coming to an end. And it's quite impressive, to me at least, uh, you know, as you read through here, uh, through chapter 4, it's not really despair, but it is probably uh, more of a sense of loneliness that comes out in the text. Uh, you don't get despair and hopelessness and all that because he says, I know, I know whom I've had, I have believed. We just sang that song a little bit ago. And, oh, you know, I hope that I could have faith like that. I, I could be that strong in the face of what he's in. But, uh, as we go through chapter four, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, you know, pick up this sense, but at the same time, there's no giving up of hope. And so, that is uh, the lesson, the example for us there. Now, the four chapters of Timothy, of Second Timothy, actually, I should say, the four chapters of Second Timothy, uh, each chapter, Paul assumes a different role. Uh, in chapter 1, he's a preacher. And basically, he's saying, you know, I'm honored to serve Christ, and this is what you should do. Chapter 2 is a pattern. Uh, you know, this is what has happened in my life. This is how my life has been led by Christ. And this is an, is an example, is a way you should too. As a Christian, don't be afraid when these things happen. Don't be surprised when these things happen. And in chapter 3, he's a prophet. He's going to talk about what's coming in the last days. And we're going to jump right into that here in just a minute. And it'll scare you. In chapter 4, he's a prisoner. So he, he's a preacher, he's a pattern, he's a prophet, he's a, he's a prisoner. And this chapter 4, as, he, as he's talking about coming to the end, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the faith and the strength and the, and the hope that he has in Christ comes through it too. So let's jump right in here in chapter 3, start at verse 1. It says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, 
lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. How did Paul know what the culture in America in 2021 was going to be? (laughs) Pretty well describes our society and what's happening in our country today, doesn't it? Well, of course, actually, Paul did not know, but the Holy Spirit was pushing his pen here, telling him what to write, and the Holy Spirit was telling Paul, this is what the world's going to be like in the last days. So, sounds like a pretty good description to me. I, you know, pretty good indicator that we're there. But now he adds this, the last sentence in this verse, he says, avoid such people. In other words, the church should not participate in this. Avoid this. You know, uh, Band together with fellow believers. Avoid the things that are going on in the world. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions. You know, there's all kinds of temptations that come into the home, that come into the church, come into our job. You know, the the temptations are endless, and that's what we're against. That's what we struggle against. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jans and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Now, I must confess that I said, okay, well, what did this Jans and Jambres do? Uh, you know, as they oppose Moses, I got to find you know where where this story is in back in Exodus or Deuteronomy or wherever it is. And I looked around a little bit and I couldn't find anything. So I thought, okay, I'll find it. And I picked up a Strong's Bible Concordance, which is pretty much all inclusive. Anything that's mentioned in the Bible is going to be in a Strong's Concordance. So I looked up Jans and Jambres. The only reference in there is Second Timothy three, whatever that is, uh, eight. Yeah, that's the only reference in there. So I thought, well, okay. Paul is talking about these two guys and how they oppose Moses, either from oral history that's come down, or else from a writing or one of the books that are kind of lost to history. There are quite a few books that that people, even in Paul's time, had that are no longer available to us, but they were not considered inspired, or they, they did not make it into the canon, they did not make it into the Bible. But there's a lot of historical events, a lot of historical value in some of those old writings that a lot of it's not available to us. So it must have been in there that this story about these guys opposing Moses that Paul was referring to. But but the uh, but the part to remember here is that uh, these men opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. Well, now, if you go back to some of these first verses here in chapter three, Talking about all the all the uh, the symptoms of sin and what's going on in the world and what's going on in 
the church today, and when I say the church, I'm talking about the church at large, basically, you know, what passes for Christianity in North America today. And we see a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of false teachers, a lot of false teaching, a lot of things going on. And, um, you know, they're, 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 following, um, they're following false teachers. Bad things are happening. And verse 9 says, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Okay, then we, uh, then we go into verse 10, and he kind of changes his tone a little bit here. And the heading in my Bible is, all Scripture is breathed out by God. You, however, have followed my teaching. Now, he's writing to Timothy on a personal level, but it's also a message that resonates down through the years. Um, you know, just any time you study Scripture, you can see different applications. There's a near horizon and a far horizon. So he's writing this personally to Timothy, but the far horizon is this is the teaching, this is the encouragement to us, to all the people in between in the 2,000 years intervening, to us and to, to the people to come later. Uh, this is a, um, you know, a, a multi-layered statement. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me. Well, I hope, you know, this is, this is our goal. This is what we strive for. I hope we can say this. Uh, which pers- uh, that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I'm just going to let that rattle around a little bit. I don't want to be persecuted, but it will happen. You know, sooner or later, you come up against something or somebody, and in order to stay faithful to Christ, in order to stay faithful or stay strong in your faith, something's going to happen that you're not going to like. You're going to be ridiculed, slandered. Something will happen. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, Knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We need to read verse 16 again. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, then we go on into chapter 4, and here, you know, the first few verses, the tone stays about the same, but then we switch over to this role of Paul as prisoner. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. 
For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Well, I fear that's what's happened to so much of modern-day Christianity. They have wandered off into myths. The time is coming when people will have itching ears. They're going to look for a teacher. They're going to look for a preacher. They're going to look for someone that will tell them what they want to hear. Well, what they want to hear may not be what they need to hear. And as I said earlier, that's our objective here. Each one of us needs to know a little more. Each one of us needs to understand a little better what the Word says. And the the more we accomplish this, the more we progress in this, the better protection, the better insulation we have from wandering off into myths. That's, That's what we have to avoid. And so as we search for a new leader, as we search for a new pastor... That should be our number one objective, someone that is passionate about teaching the Word. Because if we're true to the Word, and if our pastor, if our preacher, if our teacher is grounded in teaching the Word, the miss will, you know, they'll go away. That's not something we have to worry about. So that's, that's what we have to guard against, is wandering off into myths. Uh, we're at verse 5. It says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Now here's Paul starting to address, here I'm coming to end of life. You know, this is what this is. And when he talks about it, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. If you go back to oh uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy and, and, and read about this, study up on this, what's a drink offering? And uh, Moses gives commands to the people, as you come to the altar, as you come to give sacrifice, uh, you know, with a, a goblet or an urn of new wine actually pouring it out on the ground, it is the same, uh, the same vein, the same attitude of worship as, a burnt, as offering a burnt sacrifice on the altar. Uh, you pour out a drink offering. It's a first fruits offering. And that's what Paul's referring to here. He says, I've already, I'm already being poured out. Uh, I've been an offering to the Lord, and now I'm being poured out as in my life is coming to an end. Verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I hope that's what we can all say as we come to the position that Paul's in here. I have fought the good fight, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And now he's coming into his closing, uh, closing uh, statements here. He's basically saying his goodbyes, presenting his wishes, and asking Timothy for basically for personal stuff, for personal favors. He says, do your best to come to me soon for Demas in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. 
Now, this verse to me is fascinating. Uh, he's, he's talking about, he's, you know, it, it kind of indicates, you know, I don't have my cloak, I don't have my books. It, it kind of indicates a quick capture. They, they snatched him and took him away quickly. He was not able to bring any of his possessions with him. So, you know, winter's coming on, I need my cloak, it's cold, I'm laying in this dirty old cellar, and I need a cover. So bring the cloak. But then he says the book's above all the parchments. And that's the part that just fascinates me. To Paul, what are his parchments? It's scrolls. It's Old Testament writings. It's the writings of the prophets. He didn't have a book like this. But his parchments are his Old Testament. It's the writing of the prophets. Now here's Paul. Paul wrote about half the New Testament. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. He was instrumental in beginning and spreading the early church. But what does he want? He wants his Bible. He wants his Old Testament writings. It goes to show, it goes to prove, you're never going to learn it all. Here's Paul, wrote a good portion of the Bible, but he wants to study more. He wants to learn more. He wants to read more. Don't ever think you're ever going to get to the point that you can't learn anymore, because you can. Every time we open up this Bible, every time we open up the Word of God, there's, there's, a, there's a new thought, there's a new learning, there's something for us to learn, there's something for us to see that we haven't seen before. And that's exactly what Paul is expressing to Timothy here. Bring my parchments. Even though I'm laying in jail and I'm about to die, I want to learn some more. So he's, he's, he's uh, pleading with Timothy to bring these things to him. Verse 14 says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. And I don't know what that is, but uh, Timothy does. So he's, he's referring back to that. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, this would be back at his first imprisonment, when he stood before uh, the authorities, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And there's a couple more verses added after the Amen. And it's called Final Greetings. It says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila. And my Bible is ESV. It says Prisca. But I read the little footnote down here. And it says Prisca is a more... Uh, correct Greek pronunciation of the name, but all my life I've heard Priscilla and Aquila. <laughs> so so when I get to this verse, uh, even in my translation, I say Priscilla and Aquila. And the household of Onesiphorus. Uh, Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. See, Paul here is um, talking about his friends. He's talking about events in his life. He knows that his life will soon end. And the closing sentence is, The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. So as he writes this to Timothy, um, you know, it, it's, it's on a personal note, but it's also so plain that there's me the message uh, comes on through the centuries to us 
and to people yet to come. Emily.